Blog Talk Radio. intro song. I just absolutely love that song. I want to give a minute's credit to John Fogarty for doing that intro. That is off his latest album called Wrote a Song for Everyone. And I tell you what, it is a fabulous album. First off, it has two new tracks by John, that being one of them, Mystic Highway. It's got some fantastic lyrics for this journey we are on down the Mystic Highway. And it also has 14 other of his great solo album works and his Creedence Clearwater Revival works, all done with guest artists. And wow, what an album. 14 of the greatest names that are out there right now. Great bands, great people, and all of them performing side-by-side side with the legendary John Fogarty. So thank you so much, John, for the introduction of the Mystic Highway. We have got a show today that is going to knock your socks off, folks. And I'll just welcome you. This is A Smiling World's radio show. And A Smiling World can be found at asmilingworld.org. We also have another website that is actually related to our guest today in a way because she was at the 2011 Festival of Enlightenment. And that, if you want to see a slideshow of that event, it is on festivalofenlightenment.com. And we'll also be having uh, news and information as we're developing the next festival and in the early planning stages of that now. So, lots of exciting things going on. We have a wonderful guest, as I said, and it's going to be a great show. And so, from Bill and Jan Moore, A Smiling World welcomes you. Now, I'd like to introduce my beautiful and lovely wife, who will in turn introduce our wonderful guest today. So, Jan, if you are off mute, I'll go on mute, and we are off and running.
was always told that Seattle would uh, rain all the time. Well, I have to say that is completely false, at least this year, because uh, this year we've had maybe a couple of days of rain at the most in the time that we've been here, so it's been absolutely glorious. And um, we've met some wonderful people here as well. And, of course, this weekend is the first, uh, is our uh, Empower Your Life, Change Your World uh, workshop in Seattle. So we're really looking forward to that. And we've got some very excited people coming along to join us at that. And, um, again, as, as Bill said, we were very blessed to meet Laura Powers at the Festival of Enlightenment in 2011. And Laura actually interviewed us and many of the speakers there um, did some video interviews, which were really enjoyable. And um, Laura's been a very busy lady since then. Um, to just introduce Laura to you, she's a, a clairvoyant psychic medium, writer, actress, model, singer, and speaker who helps others receive guidance and communicate with loved ones. Ever since she was a child, Laura has seen and sensed ghosts and spirits, and she has learned how to manage those experiences using this ability to connect with the angelic and other realms. She now uses her experience communicating with angels, spirits, and other energy beings to help her clients better understand and change their lives. Laura's the author of three books and working on her fourth book, Angels and Manifesting. Her first book, Life and the Afterlife, Notes from a Medium and Angel Communicator, chronicles Laura's journey growing up as a girl who sensed ghosts and spirits and other beings. The book tells her personal journey in order to help others have a greater understanding of the other side and better navigate through life with this knowledge. A second book, Angels, How to Understand, Recognize, and Receive Their Guidance, is a practical handbook for those desiring to learn about angels and receive angelic assistance and support. Her latest book, Diary of a Ghost Whisperer, tells true stories about her work and her life with ghosts, spirits, and beyond. She also hosts a podcast, Healing Powers Podcast, on which she interviews experts on healing, metaphysical, and spiritual topics. She has lived, worked, and studied in France, London, Prague, Barcelona, Cairo, Turkey, Shanghai, and Hawaii. She's an avid traveler and enjoys meeting people from all over the world and learning about their cultures and worldviews. And this week, we're going to be talking to Laura about the powers of light and dark entities. So, Laura, it's an absolute joy to welcome you to the show today, and so nice to, to be meeting up again, if only virtually, um, since we met you in person at the festival. So, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm here in sunny and beautiful Los Angeles, and um, just having a wonderful day so far. <laughs> Excellent. So we're actually in the same time zone for once, so that's that's good. So, Laura, you've got an incredible um, list of achievements there and uh, really fascinating work that you do. Could you just give us some background into how you started this? Yeah, so, you know, as I as uh, you mentioned in, in the introduction about me, I ever since I was little, I've seen and sensed ghosts and other things. And to be honest, growing up, I was uh, very confused. Um, I actually thought I was crazy uh, because 
it was clear to me that others weren't seeing and sensing what I was. I remember asking my mother when I was a little girl if she saw things, and based on her response, I knew that she didn't know what I was talking about it. So I really kept it quiet and to myself and struggled with it personally for many, many years. Um, I saw things, uh, you know, in the nighttime in particular was a a struggle for me because that's when the sort of door between the worlds is a little more open. Um, I had what I would describe as night tears. Um, And I just kept it to myself and just kind of struggled forward. Um, And it wasn't until I was in college and a family friend described a ghost that I had seen but never told anybody about that I thought, okay, well, I can't be crazy because I never told him and he's describing this ghost to me. And so it was then that I knew, okay, at least this isn't something just in my imagination or I'm not insane, but I really didn't have the tools how to handle it. So I did the only thing that I knew how to do at the time, which is shut down. I basically tried to shut out all my psychic gifts, and it was fairly successful. And this is something that a lot of psychic people do when they, as a coping mechanism when they don't feel like they have any other options. Uh, in that point in my life, I didn't have any you know, psychic teachers in my life, and it was a very different time when I was a child compared to now. Now we have shows like Medium, um, The Ghost Whisperer, you know, there are movies that talk about this sort of thing. So it's a, a more familiar concept. But growing up, for me, it really wasn't in the sort of public, um, you know, understanding. So I shut down and, and um, you know, my life moved on. And I thought that I was doing all right. But the truth was that I was shutting everything out. And that's not healthy um, because everything was still there. So I went to a psychic medium when my life was in total disarray. I was, you know, in a bad marriage. I was um, physically ill. I had several diagnoses, depression, polycystic ovary syndrome and just horrible allergies. I was on sleeping pills. I was unemployed. You know, just kind of everything was awful. (laughs) At least that's how it felt. And I went to a psychic medium to try to get guidance because I was really at a loss. I mean, I lived my life in the way that uh, you're sort of supposed to live your life. I had gone and, you know, gone to college and then I got an advanced degree. I got married. I had the house, you know, I had the successful career. I, you know, check, check, check all the things you're supposed to do. And then my life just totally fell apart and was horrible. Um, And this psychic meeting was really, really helpful for me. And she said, well, when you shut everything out, you shut out what you needed to know as well, which made sense. So at that time, set the intention to psychically open back up and uh, immediately had an angelic experience and, started taking classes, and I did go a little bit kicking and screaming into um, the field of being a psychic. It was not, in at the time, in my sort of uh, self-perception of what I was going to do. My master's degree was in political science. You know, I was working very much in the public sector, um, so that really didn't meld with my vision of myself, but it became clear that that really was my path, and the more that I let go and went into it with open arms, the the better my life became. So now I'm very happy to do what I do. It just it has been a long journey for me um, going into it. Wow, great story, actually. And a really interesting one, you know, about the what I like about what you said is that I think is very helpful for people is just the notion of, you know, ticking the boxes on the conventional life and just mm-hmm. getting to the point where, you know, it doesn't work to just fit into the kind of societal um, expectations of what is success. And that actually right. doing the thing that isn't really what you're here to do can actually cause physical illness. I mean, that's it's quite profound. And I've seen that in, in other people as well, where they're trying to fit into a mold that is obviously not their mold. Um, so actually finding a way to 
uncover what that is is a really important part of life, I would say. Would you? Oh, absolutely. And I think our bodies are constantly trying to communicate with things with us. And, and a lot of times people get frustrated with their bodies and they think, what's wrong with my body? Instead of, of looking at the body and saying, no, this is, the body is, is my partner and my body is, is a part of me and is here to help. And, you know, what is it that my body's trying to communicate with me? Is it something that I'm eating that's not good? Am I around unhealthy energy? Am I doing something that my soul finds very exhausting and then I will feel fatigued. Um, so there's lots of, you know, different options and sometimes that can feel overwhelming to try to figure that out. And in my case, there were a lot of things that were going wrong um, that made my body exhausted. But uh, it's interesting because as soon as I made the decision to leave my ex-husband and I got out of that toxic situation, um, so many of my problems just went away, like 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 a light switch, like just all of a sudden it, I was on again. Um, the weight, I, I was also uh, 40 pounds overweight at that point, um, and the weight just like literally like melted off of me. And previously I had been like working out and counting my calories and doing all this stuff, and it just wouldn't leave. Um, so I, I think uh, if, if there's something going with your body that doesn't feel right, I think it's important to sort of ask yourself, okay, what what is my body trying to tell me? And, and um, oftentimes it's something bigger than, you know, just a, a small change. Um, but if we do it, then everything in our life improves. Absolutely. And uh, it's so refreshing to hear that as well, that, you know, it's very encouraging because for many people, well, for everybody, I think, you know, making that big leap from something that perhaps seems to have been secure and the right thing to do into the unknown really is quite a challenge. And uh, to hear the stories of how once you make that choice, things start to flow much more easily, you know, that's very encouraging for people. So, Laura, I'd like to go through um, the, the different topics on the books that you've written since you sure. moved into your purpose and so on. And um, the first book, Laugh After and the Afterlife, this is really, I think, about your, uh, your experiences with angel communication. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, this book is is about a lot of different things, actually, and I, I really wrote it as my personal journey. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions about psychic abilities, and then also everybody's is different. I mean, that's one of the things that when I, people first meet, meet me and they hear what I do, there's, there's kind of two typical responses they get. One is, um, can you read my aura? Or can you read my palm? And and I do neither of those things. Um, so I think there's, you know, partially a desire uh, to communicate about psychic abilities and what those are like and tell my personal story. Um, so that's, it was, and it was very cathartic for me to do that, to talk about what it was like growing up, um, seeing and sensing things and not having others see them and, you know, being scared at night, et cetera. Um, and then I also talk about um, angels, the afterlife, um, ghosts and spirits, um, demons and dark entities. And so just touching on a little bit on each of those topics. And so it's really meant to be a sort of introduction and overview to spiritual life as well as um, psychic gifts. Okay. And do you actually help people to develop their psychic gifts? I do. Yeah, that's it. one of the things that I do is I actually split my time between sort of one-on-one um, you know, readings and, and clearing services and then writing and teaching. Um, so I know that a big part of my mission is to teach others. Um, there's a huge need for this type of work right now 
because we're going through so many shifts. And when we can connect with spirit directly like this, it can just make everything, you know, all over the world so much easier. So I've known for some time that um, doing the one-on-one work is not my long-term mission. There are, you know, some people for whom that, that is their long-term. But I've started to book TV shows and doing more speaking. And, and so that's teaching in its own way. And then I also do um, personally teach um, classes and do one-on-one trainings to help people connect with and learn about their psychic gifts. That's great. And I think, you know, as you say, there is much more um, interest in this now amongst people. You know, the the people that are waking up to the things that are far beyond just the physical world. And that's a growing uh, experience for people. I think you'd agree, wouldn't you, Laura? Oh, yes. And I, I really, I think we're going through an expansion and opening in terms of consciousness, and that's part of it. And then um, I really think the media, um, like the, the two TV shows I mentioned, Medium and, and Ghost Whisper, and there are many others as well, that have helped people um, sort of get comfortable with the idea and, and familiar with, with concepts, um, whether or not they personally have a gift, that, that this can happen. Um, and so that's been really helpful for me because when I'm talking with people, even if they don't have any personal direct experience with some of this phenomenon in their life, at, at least it's a familiar idea from from these shows. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and actually, one of the things that really fascinated me about what you were saying and also in the start of the your latest book, The Ghost Whisperer, which you were very kind enough to provide us with a copy. Um, and thank you for that, Laura. It's fascinating stuff, I must say. Um, <laughs> you know, when I was a child, I remember one particular period in my life, it was actually quite a, a challenging time for me when um, my mother and my brothers moved to a house this is in England, of course, and it turned out that my father had kind of dumped us there and and left us and, uh, and was never to be seen again. And um, wow. I remember being in this house, and it was just a small three-bedroom house, and I was in the smallest bedroom. And I remember every night going to bed, I would be really scared of being in this room and it, it was the only room in the house where I felt that way, although I had this fear of going upstairs at night in the dark. And I remember lying in bed and kind of turning my face to the wall so I ha- wouldn't have to, you know, look out into the room uh, and see anything that I felt was present. And I can't say it was a psychic experience. It was just a, a fearful feeling you know I didn't actually see anything or have anything tangible to to link that fear to but reading your book brought that memory back to me actually do you think that I was experiencing the presence of a ghost or some spirit of some kind yeah so I do think that that was a psychic phenomenon so we have to remember that psychic gifts manifest in a lot of different ways. And the way that people typically think about the psychic ability is through, uh, you know, clairvoyance, which means psychic seeing. And while many people do have that gift, not everybody does. Um, You can be, you know, clairvoyant, you can see, you can be clairaudient, which means hearing. Um, You can be empathic or clairsentient, which means uh, you feel energies from outside your body in your body. And so what I believe that you're talking about is is that, um, where you feel 
something. Um, and so there were no physical indicators for you that something was different in those spaces, but you felt it. And that is a very real and important psychic gift. And it's also one of the most challenging to grow up with because if someone asks you why you feel a certain way, you really can't explain it. There's oftentimes no other, you know, indicator that you can point to, but that doesn't mean that it's not real. Um, so when people have those, I find they often struggle with it psychologically and they might even put themselves down or think, why do I feel this way? Instead of honoring that, wow, this really is coming from somewhere. And in your case, what I'm getting is that there may have been some ghosts, but I also feel that there were um, what I call dark entities. And uh, when you're empathic, what, what that means is you feel, you know, kind of whatever is around you. So whether or not they're being demonstrated, if there's a being around you, you will feel their emotion. You will feel their sadness, their fear, their whatever. And uh, demons and dark entities literally are fear, anger, frustration, chaos, pain, you know, depression, etc. So simply by being around them, if you're empathic, you will feel those emotions and sensations. That's really interesting because, um, you know, one of the the questions I have for you is how can yeah. you tell that that those feelings are emanating from something other than you? Because, you know, we we all feel fear and and you know negative emotions from time to time. But um, right. I've had several experiences where I've worked with somebody who has actually cleared entities, mm-hmm. and even recently a fear actually a feeling that I was carrying a dark entity with me that was almost like something parasitic. Um, And I hadn't actually consciously thought about it coming from something other than me. So how can you differentiate um, between what is coming up perhaps from your own issues versus something that's coming from an entity that is, with you or attached to you? Gosh, that's a great question. And I want to talk about it in kind of two different ways because um, what, you're ta- what you were talking about as a child is, I believe, where I, you, I feel you went into a space and there was stuff there and then there's if it's attached to you. And those are kind of, you sort of handle it in two different ways. If you're going into a space and, um, and you're wondering, okay, I'm feeling this, is this mine or not mine? I think that you can ask yourself, is there something here that, would trigger me is there a creepy looking doll or is there a you know whatever that would you know kind of hit my psychological triggers um and make me feel afraid and if there isn't anything you can point to you know we've all been in dark rooms we've all been in new places uh, but we don't always feel creepy or scared or anything like that so if if there's nothing that would you know seem to trigger you then that can be a good indicator i also recommend just kind of checking in with yourself and asking is this mine and i know that sounds strange but sometimes even just by asking you can get a clear yes or no response from yourself so that was a real shock for me when i was introduced to the psychic world and started checking in because as an empath I'm super empathic like just like any gift you know there's the range there's some people that are a little empathic and I what I would call like a super empath and when I started checking in with myself I was really shocked to learn that almost everything I was feeling was not mine I would say like 80% or more of whatever I had perceived to be my feelings or even my thoughts weren't so just checking in with yourself and just even asking the question, even if it might sound a little crazy, can be really helpful. Um, in terms of attachments, that's a little bit trickier. I want to share the concept that 
most people actually have an attachment of one kind or another, which I know sounds scary, but then if most people have it, like we're all mostly okay. (laughs) And it's pretty typical. It's just like most of us actually have kind of unhealthy bacteria or, you know, yeast or, you know, little pathogens and things in our system. And and it's it's a process. And and the healthier we get, the less ones we have. So it can be a process. So um, I I think looking at... um, your thoughts and feelings and lifestyle are a good indicator of whether you have attachment. So are you stressed? Are you in a lot of fear? Um, Are you sick and unhealthy? Um, Do you have a lot of dissension? Do strange accidents happen? Because there are certain uh, dark entities or demons that will literally cause accidents. Um, So looking at your life, you can get a sense. If you are saying yes to one or more of those questions, then it's very likely that you have these attachments. And, and that's simply because you, they are like energetic parasites. So they feed on these energies. They feed on and create fear, anger, anxiety, depression, pain, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're in those states, then you, like, draw them to you, um, and then they also create and sort of keep that cycle happening. Yeah, that's really interesting because... Um, before uh, Bill and I got together, I was married to somebody for 24 years who was a master manifester of everything negative, um, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> not only in his outer life, but physically as well. And, you know, I was convinced, well, the, I have to say, my journey in, into this realm of the spirit and so on really only started properly in about the early 2000s, you know, 2004, I think. And as I got more and more into this, I was actually convinced that he he had some kind of dark entity that, that was mm-hmm. really influencing his whole behavior. And of course, as you say, it feeds off the negative energy and, and becomes um, self-perpetuating, does it not? Right. So people kind of get further and further into that dark place. Of and, and literally, he got to the point several times of attempted suicide. Well, not attempted mm-hmm. suicide, but suicidal thoughts, shall I say? Um, yeah. So that, how do you actually get out of that situation? Um, I'll, I'll that. First, I just want to mention real briefly that um, suicide is like the the highest goal of these dark entities. So if you're struggling with depression or suicide, just know that we have a lot of these around you. Um, so how you get out of it um, is choosing the light instead of the dark, and, and, and the angels are a wonderful, wonderful tool to help. So the analogy I give to people is our minds, our lives, and our energy fields are very much like a garden. If you don't plant flowers, what automatically shows up are the weeds. So I think we all are familiar with this concept in terms of um, land, like literally if there was a patch of land and you would inherit it, it would be full of weeds until you literally went through and pulled out the weeds and then planted um, the flowers. And this is what happens on an energetic and spiritual level as well. So uh, the angels are like the flowers and they need to be invited in. They they honor our free will. They're not going to intervene unless we ask them to, unless we choose them unless we invite them in and so it's a it's, it tends to be a process in the beginning you know it'll be more work just like when you first get a patch of land you have to do more weeding but eventually it gets easier and easier as the light is what you've chosen instead of the dark so since most people don't know this they, what ends up happening is they get the weedy gardening and then the weeds just grow and perpetuate themselves and it just gets kind of tangled and worse um 
And what I want everybody to know is we all have access to Ask Angels and the light into our lives. And then we, um, in addition to working with them, every day, every moment, we're choosing either light or dark, dark thoughts. So, you know, in my opinion, fear is really the opposite of love, and fear is the dark energy, and love in various iterations is the light. So choosing actions that are and loving that are good for, for you, for the world around you, for the environment, all of these things will make your life more easy. And and basically when you're in that energy, the weeds can't feed on you. The dark energies can't be there. They just will eventually be less and less in your life. Yeah, and I noticed when, uh, well, noticed, I, I noted when I was reading the early part of your book, I must confess I haven't read all of it yet, but <laughs> I must say I'm enjoying it so far, um, that you were actually saying that you learned as you went along with this uh, healing and clearing that um, there are certain things that you need to make sure that you do in this process. And one of them was actually asking these entities to leave permanently rather than asking them to leave and but still leaving the door open for them. So what you're saying is you can clear them but they can still come back unless you specifically say, you know, go forever. Right. And it's specifically what I was I was asking was the angels. So I actually don't recommend engaging these you know dark entities or, or, or demons directly because they are lies and deception and so they're never going to communicate and they're not they're already indicating that they don't care what you want i mean so just you know the light and dark forces i think you can compare to like nice and not nice people like a nice person is going to wait to be invited in and a not nice person is is going to uh, just do whatever they want you know uh, if you want someone to come into your house and they're nice you invite them and then you have to invite them the next day they just don't automatically just let themselves in something dark uh, you know a burglar will just break in they don't care if you want them there they don't care if you know it's okay to take your stuff they just do it and so that's what these dark things are so i don't recommend engaging them but what i do is work with the angels and say you know here's what i would like and the angels really do honor free will and they don't make any assumptions. So I learned kind of the hard way when I was first doing this that I would say, you know, angels, please take this being away. And then like the next day it would come back. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I didn't say and I don't want it to come back. So that's where the word permanently uh, came in and, and was important. And it's also important to note that, yes, you can ask for a particular being to be taken away permanently and it will be taken away permanently, but if you're in a pattern or a situation which is attracting that kind of energy or being into your life, other ones can come in. So just like in terms of physical sense, um, you know, let's say you're sick um, and you take antibiotics um, to get rid of a bacterial infection, you know, and then you get it cleared, but unless you've you heal your body and get healthier, you're you're just going to get sick again and have to take antibiotics again um, unless you, you know, fix the root. Yeah, so it's a combination of, of asking for outside help but actually doing the inner work as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the angels help us bridge that gap when we're not in that place yet, but we want to shift, and then they can, you know, help us do that more quickly. Okay, so... You're saying about, you know, asking the angels. How do you go about that? 
Oh, that's a great question. And just know that uh, the it, the spiritual world, um, including angels, is a telepathic world. So they hear our thoughts. They don't, you know, have to verbalize it. It's, you know, that's how their communication is, is through uh, telepathy. And so all we really need to do is think it. Um, but sometimes I find that it can be helpful for people to uh, write it down or, or say it out loud because sometimes our thoughts can get jumbled, especially if we're receiving information from other beings around us. So if you can be clear on your, your thought and intention and thinking it is enough, but uh, but saying it out loud is, is always helpful as well. And you just literally just invite the angels or you can invoke certain angels and ask them for whatever it is that you're wanting. You know, if you want help removing a, a being that's on you that's dark, ask for that. If you want protection, ask for that. If you want help, um, you know, with a new job, ask for that. Basically, um, they're here to help us with anything that's of the light. So, you know, they, they're they not someone to call in, for example, if you want to harm another person, and I don't recommend doing that. They won't do anything that's not helpful. <laughs> um, but anything that's, that's beneficial and of the light, then they would be more than happy to help us with. Okay, that's great. And, you know, is it worthwhile for people to get to know different angels and perhaps what's the most beneficial angel to request something of related to you know their specialty or is it just a kind of general invocation gosh yeah so there are so many different kinds of angels and, and if you if you let's say don't know anything about it period is, is a great first step um, or you can ask my angels which means the angels that are assigned to you to help and there are a lot of different angels, and I do recommend learning about them. And there's good information that's available for free on my website or in my book about angels, about the different angels and what they do. Um, I want everyone to know that there's uh, angels with different specialties. So even if you don't know the name of an angel, you can just say, you know, real estate angels or health angels or housing angels or, you know, whatever, whatever, transportation angels. Um, there are angels that are assigned to each of these areas, and even just by topic, they, you, you know, the universe will kind of direct you to the, those angels and, and get you connected so you can receive help. Um, so you don't have to know specific angel names, but I think it, it is helpful as you get more into it to do that. So one angel that is helpful regardless of uh, what you're working on would be Archangel Michael. He is, I think, of as, as the top or one of the top angels in terms of human affairs anyway, um, because there's lots of different skills of angelic work. And he helps us with protection, with clearing dark energies, and with manifesting. So those are all things that I think everyone would want help with. And he's a really just incredibly uh, wonderful and powerful angel. And the nice thing about working with Archangel Michael is that um, he, it's kind of like calling the top guy, you know. So he may help you directly or he may direct other angels to support you. So you're getting a lot of support when you contact him. So you're going to the CEO, in fact, not, not exactly, the exactly. Go, go to the top, <laughs> and he has Brilliant. a lot of resources. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it's interesting. You know, I've not really delved into this as much as I would like to. You know, <laughs> there's so much um, knowledge to gain on all of these topics, and right. um, you know, one of the things I've done relating to Archangel Michael is cutting of cords and, and clearing mm, of contracts yes. as well. Is that something yeah. that you um, teach people about? Yes, absolutely. That is very, very helpful. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, a cord is an energetic connection uh, between 
to individuals, um, and, and that can include demons or dark entities or ghosts. So uh, it doesn't have to be someone that's in a you know live physical form. And what happens when uh, one being courts another is that energy, like literally life force energy comes through that cord as well as emotions and feelings. So you can literally feel kind of what's going on with the other person. So for example, I had a huge cord when I first split up with my ex-husband that went to him and, and this, um, I had to do with the unhealthy dynamics. Like I, there was a part of me which wanted to sort of save or rescue him. And so in a way I, I was giving him permission to take from me because I, I was trying to, to, you know, save him. And it wasn't until I completely um, shifted that that I was able to permanently release the cord. But I, you can ask the angels to help you cut cords. And depending on whether this is a, a cord that has been created based on your spiritual belief system, it will either be permanent or maybe it will try to come back. And if it's going to try to come back, then you can work on shifting your personal belief system. So um, when there are people that are kind of totally bogged down with cords and they have no idea, sometimes I'll look at a person, I'll explain to them in a reading, I can help you with this, but until you shift your belief systems, they're going to come back. It's the same thing as kind of like the dark entity situation. Um, and then contracts, clearing contracts is very important because we may have made a, a contract with an individual in another life or even with ourselves, and that contract is binding and until we basically say that it's not, until we cancel it. So, um, for example, if we in a previous life were um, in a life of service for the church, we might have taken vows of poverty or chastity or service, and those contracts need to be destroyed. They need to be um, stopped. Otherwise, we may unconsciously be continuing that pattern our current life. So we may, no matter what we do, we may feel like we can never have money or love, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes these contracts um, are part of the problem. Okay, that's really useful, actually. And just going back to something you said uh, a few minutes ago about cords coming back and needing to change yeah. belief system. Right. What What's the belief that needs to shift specifically? Um, it depends on, you know, what the cord is, but it usually it has something to do with uh, your belief about helping others. Um, so... There's a fairly complex uh, level or scale of sort of soul development. So, um, you know, it very much mirrors what happens in the physical world. So there are sort of baby souls and then very mature older souls that teach. And we all are going through that process. And the, and the, it, the challenge is you can't look at a person necessarily automatically and say, oh, that's a baby soul or that's an older soul, et cetera. We're all just kind of mixed up. Um, together here in this world. So um, what happens is as a baby soul, you know, you feel like out of control, victim, you know, basically everyone has to do everything for you. Just like a baby, you really can't feed themselves or, you know, they need to be changed, et cetera. Um, and then as you get older as a soul, you become into almost like a toddler phase where you learn you have control and you can do things, but you, you, you know, sometimes take. Um, and then and then you incarnate more and you learn what it's like when others take from you and then you you decide, oh my gosh, I need to take care of others. And so there's a lot of souls right now that are in that phase. They're in the sort of taking care of others phase. I call this like the martyr phase 
where you're constantly wanting to make sure that everybody else is okay, and that's lovely and beautiful, but we have to remember ourselves. So the highest level of development is actually like, okay, I I can help others, but I don't have to experience something detrimental to myself in order to do it. It can be a win-win. So those that have learned that lesson uh, are actualized. People like, you know, Oprah or Sir Richard Branson would be two examples of those who, you know, do amazing things for the world. Like, look what they've contributed, um, but they also have amazing lives, too. Like, they are not in denial of themselves. So, there's a lot of us right now that are in that sort of martyr phase on various levels, like in, in the earlier incarnations of this um, level of belief, then we might literally be killed. Um, but most of us that are talking about this right now, we're not in that level, but we have to learn not to self-sacrifice. So just because I want to help individuals doesn't mean that I need to personally give of myself uh, to the point where it's detrimental. Yeah, that's really so, useful information. Sorry, did I interrupt you, Laura? Did you want oh, to finish? Oh, just, just, sorry about that. I just, just when we have these belief systems, that's when those cords can really attach. Right, okay. And what I was going to um, just say at that point was that this is what we see amongst the light worker community so much. You know, yeah. a lot of giving and people really dedicated to, you know, sharing this message and helping others to awaken and actually move into their power but giving their own power away and denying themselves right. the full uh, uh, experience of, of abundance. So that sounds to me like we've got a lot of light workers in that yes. stage of martyrdom. Absolutely, and it's it's unnecessary, but it's, it is a part of the natural process. Like what what you as you learn, you understand. Wow, I don't have to sacrifice of myself to give. Um, it can be a win win, and it's it, it, what happens is everything is you know kind of attracting matches. So um, when we have a belief system that we need to to give and sacrifice and just regardless of ourselves, what happens is we attract someone who's in the, the victim stage of their development. So it's like a clamshell, like these two things go together, they fit, or yin and yang, or whatever. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, what most people try to do is they try to shift the other person. They try to, like, teach them, oh, look, you can't, you know, you don't need to be powerless. You can do things on your own, et cetera, et cetera. And that is a lovely lesson, but we have to remember that this process happens often through multiple lifetimes. So we're very unlikely to teach someone this sort of baby phase of soul development, like how to become where we are in one lifetime. Like it it can happen, it could potentially happen, but it's probably very, very unlikely. And so the, the only thing really to do if we want to affect a great change is to change ourselves. If we shift ourselves to the point where we are, um, you know, understanding that we can give and receive equally, then those that we attract are those that give and receive equally, and then that's a much better, brighter, more positive experience. That's really helpful. Thank you, Laura, because it's interesting. I was working with a client uh, yesterday who's mm-hmm. in that very situation in a relationship where they're really focused on developing themselves and doing a lot of inner work and married to somebody who is stuck in that victim mode and even you know doesn't and this is very similar to my experience with my ex that I was trying to come up with all the solutions for the things that were he was stuck in and none of it worked because 
he wanted to be stuck in that victim mode and this is the same exactly. with the client and, and mm-hmm. about how uh, and it's interesting you saying that that's the characteristic of a baby soul and not likely to shift that much in one lifetime and you know the the fact that we're here for a lifetime to shift some of our things is kind of an underscore that it does take quite a lot of work to, to move up the scales isn't that right? Absolutely. Like we have to remember that though our life seems long, that in the bigger picture of things, most of us have, especially if we're in that sort of light bearer, you know, teacher phase, we've, we've lived hundreds of lives. And so in the bigger picture, this is like just a drop in a bucket of water. Um, so we have to remember what's possible and what's, po- what's not possible. And a lot of us who are here to help and to teach, um, we misplace our soul purpose um, in, in our relationships, meaning when we're still learning, what we, we know what our focus is. We're, we're here to he- help and to heal. And what happens is we tend to find a partner that needs a lot of helping and healing instead of doing our work on a sort of a massive, big scale. So um, I, I find that this is a very common pattern with, with helpers and healers in general is that we find sort of very broken partners. Um, and it's a misplaced effort to teach. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? <laughs> like yeah. You went through that phase with your exercise. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and and we learn. I mean, so we don't have to look at this as a bad thing, but it's like, oh, now that we can have that perspective, oh, that's what I was doing. And so part of my journey into this psychic world was, um, you know, initially not, I didn't envision myself being a psychic. Like I said, I, I wanted to never, ever get in a relationship like that again because it, I, it was so devastating for me in many different ways. Um, and, you know, sometimes we have to learn the hard way, <laughs> but we learn. And so if, if you're in a relationship like that, then I think look at yourself. What are you really trying to accomplish out of it and, and deeper issue here because I, I suspect for, for most people learning that it's not really about that person it's about you letting go of a need to you know rescue and and recognizing that there's we can help those that don't need to be rescued like i'm at a point now with where my personal clients are usually not in that kind of victim stage but they're ready to shift up they they still have stuff they're working on but it's just not quite that yeah that's really um excellent advice Laura and just going back to what you were saying about the martyr phase that a lot of light yeah. workers are stuck in is that something you can literally shift in a, by just recognizing the fact that you're in that state and is that something you could call on the angels to help you to shift into that higher level of giving and receiving equally rather than over giving and actually de- denying yourself um, your true value. Yeah, well, I think like many things, once we understand why or the mechanism or how, it can really help us have a different perspective on it. So why am I keep doing this? Oh, it's because I'm trying to save and help, but it's just it's an inappropriate focus and uh, way to spend my energy. Then that can help us. And then then when we're making decisions about individuals or um, circumstances, we can ask ourselves, wow, is this, you know, am I doing this because I want to save a rescue? So 
sometimes it's just by doing that we can recognize that and then we can start to change that pattern. And, and I highly recommend asking angels to help with this. So you can just ask angels, please help me release any unhealthy or dysfunctional relationships, behaviors, or circumstances. So I, when I was earlier on in this pattern of recognizing that this is what was going on, when someone came into my life, I would kind of ask myself, okay, am I being drawn to this person? Because sometimes it can literally be a, a, a very strong kind of pulling feeling. Am I being drawn to this person because there's something there for me to help? And oftentimes the case is yes. And if that was the case, then I would ask, okay, is this healthy for me? And get a, a yes or no, and then make a decision on my um, actions accordingly. And this is tricky because a lot of times there are very kind of psychologically or spiritually broken people that don't necessarily seem it on the outside. Like my ex-husband seemed very together. Um, so I didn't see, you know, initially the the deep problems that were there. And you you might have someone that superficially is very successful in terms of, uh, you know, all the things we consider success. They might have, you know, a great job and a nice car and a good house and, like, be handsome or attractive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but behind it, there are, you know, a lot of problems. So it's important not to get wrapped up in the sort of superficial here when we're trying to make these um, calls about whether a person is in an unhealthy phase for us. Yeah, that's really cool, actually. We we do tend to judge by appearances, or at least um, in the what I would say the conventional world. You know, I think the more you get into this uh, connection with energy and empathy, you actually pick it up on an energetic level, don't you? The, the kind of yes. energy that's being emanated. And we had a really interesting experience after the festival, we actually went into um, running a ranch, which was par- partly getting experience of hands-on involvement because it's something we want to create for a smiling world, a kind of retreat center and learning center. And also I do a lot of work with horses and I've learned so much about energy and the universe from the work with horses. So it was a fantastic experience. But the owners of the ranch, particularly the husband had a really dark energy feel about him, which actually came to a head just before we left there. And it was like he was, you know, on the surface, absolutely perfect life, you might say, in terms of Mm -hmm. the material. His wife had inherited a huge amount of money from her parents. And so absolute top level of prosperity. But they were living a very miserable life, actually, and the the malevolent energy that this person was directing and and towards the end directly at us was was incredible so and actually, the first time we met him, we felt quite repelled by his energy, but fortunately mm. in the in the time that we were there we had very little contact with him directly until the end yeah. when it came to a head. So how do people develop that higher level of sensitivity to the energy of somebody so that they can go below the superficial and really get a feel for what that person is like underneath? Well, I I certainly think that it's a process, but the first thing is to just trust yourself and the impressions that you get. So even if, uh, again, on the surface, everything looks hunky-dory and wonderful, 
if you have a feeling that's not good, um, then trust and believe that. What happens most of the time is we get some kind of indicator, but then our physical senses look at the person or situation and think, well, why? That's silly. Like, you know, this is fine. Everything looks great. Um, so it's, it's trusting that sort of little inner voice, your gut, you know, your intuition, um, because your psychic senses are going to pick up on stuff that is not showing physically. Um so I think it's just checking in with yourself, seeing what you feel, and then learning to trust that. And it is a process because it's it's wild for me as a psychic and someone who lives my life based on psychic information pretty much all the time now that oftentimes whatever the psychic message is is directly opposite of what seems to be the logical or makes sense to do on the surface. <laughs> Yeah, that's really great, actually, because, you know, uh, you came from a very conventional world in the political science arena, mm-hmm. and you're saying in your book about how it was logic-driven, and my background was over 20 years in IT, which was absolutely huh. logic, analytical, and everything, and my shift actually happened just before Bill and I got together, where suddenly I had this overwhelming uh, sense of follow your intuition on this and it was a complete shift for me away from allowing logic to rule Mm -hmm. and actually shifting into trust your intuition first and then use logic to back it up and and show you where to go next once you've got that intuitive message right and you know it can sometimes be completely illogical <laughs> what, your, yes. what your intuition tells you. And it's very easy to talk yourself out of it, thinking, well, this can't possibly be right. And, you know, that was our experience when we Bill got the voice in his head. He's obviously clairaudience much more than I am, um, that said, go to Austin. And we're thinking, well, why would we want to go to Austin? But we got to the point mm-hmm. where we actually trust that and let yeah. that story unfold. And it was became very, very clear that that period at the uh, the ranch was not just uh, important on a physical level, but actually on a personal, spiritual development level, conscious development level as well. So, absolutely agree with that. Um, Laura, we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes to get a little bit of music, um, give you a chance to take a breather, get a drink, whatever. But just before we do, would you like to share your website and the kind of information that uh, people can find on there, which you've hinted at so far, but if you'd like to give a bit more detail on that before we go to a break, that would be wonderful. Sure. So my website is healingpowers.net. And on that website, there's a lot of, you know, wonderful, great free information. Um, on I have an angels tab, so you can go ahead and look at that page and um, find it, look, read about some different angels and their specialties, how to call in their help. I also have lots of great free videos um, where I talk about some of these things more in depth. Um, I have uh, several podcasts. I was just looking the other day. I've done 70 so far, and, and, and in each one I interview a different guest expert on various topics related to healing and medical, uh, physical topics. And then, of course, um, you can read about me and the services and the classes and the events that I offer uh, directly. So lots of great information on there. And, again, that's healingpowers.net. That's great, uh, Laura. Thank you for that. And uh, must be an absolute wealth of information there for people. So 
do go down and have a look at that uh, website of Laura's. I certainly shall be doing that because, you know, going with the intuition thing and with um, being guided, I have to say, Laura, that you, like many of our guests, are teaching me so much. And I'm sure we were guided to have you on the show just so that you could share some of your wisdom that, you know, I can directly apply to some of the things that I've been experiencing. And, you know, some of that is that martyr phase of, of wanting to rescue yeah. people and help people and attract the people who aren't yet ready. It's like we want to drag them into yes, our level yeah. of consciousness when actually they're not ready to step into that. And that's just a, a road to frustration on our part and actually giving away not only our power but giving away the potential abundance that is actually due to us. So Yeah, and it just just to share an analogy again, I find I think it's helpful for people to compare to this on a physical world level. Like what well, if this was on a physical level it wouldn't make sense. Like no matter how much you teach a preschooler or a kindergartner, you're not gonna be able to get them to pass college course. <laughs> like they just are not there. Like <laughs> they have to naturally develop and shift over years. And it's the same thing on spiritual development level. Um it's just inappropriate and unfair to try to teach someone at that level this whole other, uh, you know, level of, of information. And and it's not only frustrating for the teacher, but it's frustrating for the student as well. I mean, can you imagine if you were trying to get a, a little kindergartner to do calculus? <laughs> it just, you know, they would find that very frustrating because it's 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 beyond their level of ability at that state. Yeah, that's, that's really good in good advice, Laura, and perhaps it's something that we need to be careful about implementing on a business level as well to make it clear the level of client that we need to work with. So, as you say, you don't try and teach college-level information to a kindergarten person. So, to actually bring people into classes and, and coaching that aren't ready for the level of information that we, we have to or communicate is actually doing right. neither of us any good. Exactly. Hi Laura, I've been, hi, Laura. I've been working around in the background. I, I wanted to send you some love and hugs before we took the break. Oh, and also, thank you. During the break, could you have a quick look at your email? Because I just sent you a question. Okay? Okay, perfect. I will. Hey, thanks, hon. All right, right back so. at you. <laughs> So, Laura, I'm going to hand over to Bill now. He'll play some music and uh, you can take a little break. He'll tell us how long we've got to uh, do whatever we need to do and we'll be back in and continuing our conversation shortly. Okay. Thank you, Jan. Um, Perfect. I assume you have muted out. I've come on and we're going to take a quick break right now. And one of the things that... um, I thought it would be appropriate was uh, to play one of our tracks that sort of fit into um, what um, Laura and Jan have been talking about. And I was looking through the tracks that we had loaded up to uh, take for a break. And it would be very easy to play Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd because we'd love to have Laura here with us. She's down the road in Los Angeles and we're in Seattle, so we can't do that one. 
But um, we try to play these high-energy songs or the ones that have a real meaning like this, Is This the Way Life's Meant to Be, which you all have heard many times, those who have been with us before. But I think because of the fact that uh, what Laura and Jan have been talking about with the um, the fact that sometimes these things uh, come to you in the night and and what have you in all of the... Um, the entities that are good, good angels and dark entities and everything else. Um, we're going to just stick one on because we're in Seattle. We're going to stick one on by two Seattle girls here, Ann and Nancy Wilson. And what we're going to do is we're going to set the power of intention. Everybody on the show, set the power of intention. Forget about the lyrics that go on the song called These Dreams, and we'll set the intention that by learning what Laura is talking about, you will have sweet dreams the rest of your life with very good energy and your angels visiting you in the night. So how's that one? We'll see you in four minutes and 12 seconds, and we'll be right back on the show. Could it be spring or 
Okay, folks, welcome back. That was Ann and Nancy Wilson from the band Heart, as you remember. They were the uh, the originators and are still are there. And, by the way, Ann and Nancy are going to be at the Seattle State Fair. I believe it's on the 14th of September, their performances. But check it out, look it up, and get their concert date, because I can tell you one thing from experience. I've seen them in concert, and they are fabulous on stage. So, you definitely want to see them. And thank you for Tan and Nancy Wilson and Hart for the song These Dreams. That was lovely. Um, I'd like to just ask a quick question. I'm going to turn the microphone on. Laura and Jan will continue their conversation. We do actually have a caller on hold that um, I think might have a question. I just need to clarify that because Blog Talk had a little technical hiccup when I was trying to speak to them during the break. But uh, I'll just ask if they're listening in or if they do actually have a question for us here. So let's go to caller in area code 239. If you're there, uh, did you have a question for Laura? Okay. Uh, Apparently not. Sometimes the, um, the calls that come in, we check with them and they find out that they are actually just listening in over their phone and it's easier to dial in. So, And, of course, the archive listeners don't have the opportunities to ask those questions, but they do contact um, our guests directly. So before I hand back over to Jan, Laura, do you want to just give people a reminder of how they can reach you directly, your website and your uh, contact details, uh, where they find that, and then you and Jan can just take off and run. Sure. So, yeah, my website is healingpowers.net, so www.healingpowers.net. And, um, you know, that you can uh, – there's ways to reach me via the website. Uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter there, which I send out once a month. Um, I also can be reached via email at laura at healingpowers.net, and my phone number is 310-598-7871 if you have questions about services, um, et cetera. And, yeah, I'd love to connect with people um, you know, via my website, email, et cetera. Sorry, I was on mute there. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> okay. We always have fun doing this show, Laura. It's between a very, very <laughs> slow Internet with a very slow hamster running on a treadmill at the KOA campground we're staying at, <laughs> and the technical difficulties that hiccup a drink blog talk. And then, of course, last but not least, what makes this show really fun is I'm running the switchboard, and that's kind of like putting a bull in a china closet anyway. <laughs> so, so anyway, right. back to Jan, and I will mute off, and you and Jan can just continue this fascinating conversation y'all are having. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you, Bill. And, yeah, we, we also Thank have... You. Uh, the challenge of if we're both on microphone, we can get quite an echo here as well in the small space yes. that we're working in. So anyway, <laughs> okay. So Laura, um, your second book, Angels: How to Understand, Recognize, and Receive Their Guidance, actually is linked to a question I was going to ask you as well. We talked before the break about asking your angels to help, and in 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 some cases asking angels specifically related to the issue that you want some help with or even to do it by name. And I was going to ask you, how do we pick up 
the presence of angels, the guidance from angels, the the kind of acknowledgement of the request. How do we do that? Is, can you enlighten us on that? Sure. Well, first, I just want to introduce the idea that the angels and um, beings of light communicate with us through the world. Um, So they're constantly communicating with us. Whether or not we've asked for help, they're giving us signs and messages all the time. It's just that most people work. So they communicate with us through, um, you know, overheard conversations, through things we see and hear, through uh, animal messages through uh, numbers um, that are referenced uh, through songs. Like one of my favorite things is ask a question or ask for guidance and then turn on my iPod and shuffle or turn on the radio and see what the messages are in the music. So, for example, whenever I hear the song Living on a Prayer, <laughs> then I'm like, oh, they, they're saying it's time for me to ask for help. Like it's just uh, or the song Send Me an Angel might come on and that's a, a reminder for me to ask the angels for help. It's the same concept. Um, so as we learn to pay attention, uh, now we realize there's this basically constant dialogue happening between them and us. And in terms of signs of that they're actually helping us, they'll often send us little indicators. Um, one very common thing would be feathers. They'll, they'll send us feathers to, as a sign of their support and their assistant coins is another one seeing rainbows, and though it sounds a little hokey, seeing like beautiful uh, messages in the clouds. You might see an angel in the clouds or a loved one in the clouds or an animal in the clouds. Um, So these are very common ways that they communicate with us through the world around us. Yeah. Uh, You heard a little yeah in an echo through Jan's phone, but I had to get mine muted. Now mute yours, Jan, so we're not echoing. We just talked about that. Laura, I just wanted to step in. You know, you were talking yeah. about that, that messages from the angels. Um, mentioning the feather, the campground we stayed at down in Denver. I mean, yeah. I definitely, you and I spoke yesterday, and as I told you, I told you about the experiences of both real-life angels walking into the hospital situation I was in and yes. other mm-hmm. uh, situations of actually seeing um, one of those gigantic ones at uh, Jan's mom's passing when we were there when she transitioned. But I was just going to say that if people pay attention to what's going on around them, they will see what Laura's talking about because that it's, it is so amazing when you start really staying in the present moment. In our campground in Denver, we had a white feather float down out of the sky, no birds in sight, not mm-hmm. flying like on the beginning of the movie Forrest Gump where the feather's floating around. Right. It's just like it appeared out of nowhere, and it, it, was, yeah. it came to the ground. There was no bird, no sign of anything. And that evening after we found the feather, two trailers over, um, a man lost his partner in the night. Mm. And it was like that angel knew that that partner was transitioning that night. And I truly believe Mm. that. And I think that's why that sign was there, was that they were coming to collect that person. Yeah, and maybe just to give a sign that everything's going to be okay, regardless of, you know, the perception or the feelings, just to show things all right. Um, I think they they, they send us feathers when we, we need comfort or to show us support many times. Yes, indeed. And and it's it's amazing. What you just said is such a powerful thing. And I glanced at my phone and it said 1111, which is so a true. very powerful thing. Mine says the same thing. 
Yes. Lord, and, and one with the support of the angels. <laughs> yes. And one for a sign of manifesting of new beginnings. So it's a very, and manifesting. So it's a very blessed number in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laura. I didn't mean to interrupt there, but back to you and no, Jan. No, don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's really interesting. To the animal signs. So, to I'm an avid collector of feathers, actually, and had some incredible experiences with feathers showing up at very significant times. In fact, um, Monday, I think it was, I I got into a place of of really quite low negative energy. we're quite challenged by our internet connection here, <laughs> and it, not only the speed, but the way it connects. And it can take sometimes it can take an hour to actually get the thing up and running properly because of the sign-in process oh. and everything else. And I was getting really yeah about this, you know, things that we're working on. Um, it's a real knock to productivity to have these kinds of problems. So I sure. actually went off. And, and just took myself away and went for a little walk and um, just sat there and asked the angels for help. And um, just in kind of smoothing the path for us, you know. And as I was walking back, I found three black feathers and mm. obviously raven feathers. And they were just sitting there in the grass. Um and one of the things that's happened with us over the last probably uh, two months is the constant presence of ravens, actually, mm. and making their presence very obvious. We were actually doing a meditation with somebody, and uh, hang on a sec, Bill, I've got echo. I'm sorry, that was one of those technical glitches. My phone just cut off. <laughs> I think the dark entities attacked me. I had to call back into the show, so of course it came back on. Apologize to you and Laura. Take off again. So um, the, we were doing a meditation with a lovely lady that we met in Colorado Springs, and you know, throughout the meditation, there was a, a, a raven that landed in the tree above us, and just was calling throughout the process and that's something that's happened a lot to us as I say in the last couple of months and then these three black feathers showed up (laughs) so that presumably was an indication that I'd asked for help and they were saying well we're here yes and and in my opinion uh, in my experience um, ravens are often a sign of of magic and manifesting Um, so something very positive and magical um you know, happening or about to happen. So, uh, yeah, I always think it's a very positive omen. And I know a lot of people think of it as having to do with death and darkness. And, you know, I I have a different perspective on death, given what I do, obviously. I don't think death is a really bad thing. Um, But, uh, yeah, whenever um, raven or crow feathers are found, I think it's it's about men. It's very powerful. Uh, the, the more that people start to o- open up to seeing these signs, the more magical it becomes. And interestingly, when we uh, bought the, the truck and trailer for this road trip, road show, we were quite astonished, actually, by the, the license plates that turned up because the, the, the truck arrived first and the numbers on there were 3456. 
which sounds to me like a, a good progression. <laughs> I don't know how you would interpret that, Laura. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yes, those are progressive numbers and so progress. Um, there's a website I'd recommend for people that are wanting to look up uh, the meanings of different numbers, and it has the numbers 1 through 1,000 on it, and it's called Scribes. Um, and so if you just Google search angel scribes or angel numbers, angel scribes, it'll pop up, and you can literally look at the actual number, like 1 through 1,000, and, and there's a, a channeled message for that number. Excellent. Thank you, Laura. And the other one that turned up for the trailer, I mean, this was really um, quite mind-blowing, was 2222. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so uh, definitely significant there. So anyway, back yeah. to you and uh, your wonderful work. So tell us more about the your second book, The Angels. We, I asked you the question about how to recognize that they're there, and we started talking about the different signals. So what does the book go into in depth? Yeah, so we talk, I talk more in depth about, um, you know, how to ask for help. So we t- touched briefly on that in the first part of the call um, and some tips for, for doing that in different areas of your life. Um, how to – so uh, that's, a, that's a big thing. I think most people feel alone, and I, I want everybody to know that, no, we're not alone. Um, angels are always with us, even if uh, we haven't asked for their help. They're still always there, guiding. Um, there are different ways that you can see, uh, see or sense their presence. One is through the signs we just talked about. Um, one thing I learned, which was fascinating to me, is that when they come, especially we call on them, um, we'll get a, a pressure change in our ears. Um, so I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're sitting in one place and your ears pop. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's a sign sometimes that they're coming in because they have a different energy, a different vibration. And so when they come in, it literally changes the energy around you, elevation, and your ears have to adjust accordingly. Um, so there's some other indicators, um, a, a warm feeling. So, for example, when Michael comes in, he brings in a lot of heat. Um, a lot of certain age will describe almost like a hot flash feeling when Archangel Michael comes in because he brings in so much heat. So th- those are some examples, but I talk in there more in depth about the different ways you can know um, that an angel is around. And I also share a lot of angel people can hear examples of of how angels have helped other people. And, and these stories can be something small to large, um, you know, there, there's. I know, like you guys have one. I had this really amazing experience at the hospital, and I, I have a, I have a friend that I, I write about this in the book, where he literally uh, had been mugged on his way home from a nightclub and was uh, had a tire iron to the head and was bleeding, um, and was sitting on the side of the road. Um, stolen as well. Was stolen, and a woman pulled up. Um, said she was a nurse, told him to get in the car and she'd take him to the hospital. And when she got in the car, or when they got to the hospital, um, you know, she, she made sure that he was he was checked out of the hospital with, the, you know, the staples in his head and all that. Um, he brought flowers to her and no one there knew who she was. There was no one by that name that worked at the hospital. So I tell more stories like that. These are kind of amazing things where, you know, I think miracles really are possible. Um, and you give people a context for it in terms of, of angels specifically. Yeah, it's a great story and very similar to the one that 
that Bill experienced as well. And mm-hmm. I think I might just ask him to share that with the listeners in a second. Sure. Because, yeah. You know, it, it it brings to light the fact that we all have these experiences, and you don't have to have some special powers in order to um, to experience them. And I, it just came to mind about how appropriate your name is, Laura. Laura Powers. <laughs> Very indicative of of what you're doing. But I just wanted to ask before I bring Bill on to to tell his story. um, When we talk about angels being around, do we have a specific guardian angel? And if so, how do we find out who that angel is? Sure. Um, Yes, we all do have at least one um, angel that's assigned to us as as a guardian angel. Some of us have two. Um, or maybe potentially more. And then, of course, we all have other angels usually that are are helping us as well. Um, So if we want to connect with that angel and find out who they are, there's several ways you can do that. Um, You can literally sort of meditate on it. And one thing you might do is ask the angels to clear your your mind of anything that's distracting and um, just spend some time and see what impressions you get. Um, You can ask the angels for a sign for their name uh, and, and... Somebody like like me uh, to look and and connect with your angel specifically and see what you get. Um, but just know that our angels are always there um, and they they communicate with us through our thoughts and feelings and through the world around us. So if a particular name keeps coming up, um, for me the name was Michael. Like even really understood about name, angels, um, you know the name Michael was always there for me. And now I know that's because oh Michael was reaching out. Michael was communicating. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, I did, uh, well, actually, Bill and I both did a meditation on that quite a few years ago, not long after we got together. And I get, got the name Ariel, actually, as my mm-hmm. angel. And Bill yes. got Uriel. Yeah. Wow, so, yes. Yeah. So, very different and I only knew Michael wonderful. and Gabriel's names. I wasn't really yeah. into a lot of the um, angel knowledge. But I just did a meditation, and I just said exactly what you said, Laura. I said, you know, could I know who my uh, guiding angel was? Mm-hmm. And five minutes, ten minutes later, it was just I was dead silent and cleared my mind. really wasn't thinking of anything, and the name Uriel popped into my head. So I looked it up and found wow. out he was, in fact, an angel. <laughs> yeah, so you were yeah. saying, Laura, that very different angels. What's your, um, can you share that with us, you know, the the characteristics of the two of them? Oh, yes, sure. So Ariel, um, the name means lion or lioness of God, and Ariel is very connected with the uh, natural realm, with protecting the earth and, you know, the plants and the animals of the earth. And Ariel, uh, just, again, think of like a lion or a lioness, think of that, protection and when you need strength and also um, very much connected with the natural realm um, and then and it's interesting because it's funny I think I think Disney and like sort of ideas uh, planting seeds as it were so when you think of like Ariel the mermaid from the little mermaid you know again she is about the natural kingdom so anyway I just think that's funny um, yeah. and then also Uriel <laughs> right isn't that funny um, Uriel is the angel of I think of as like the counselor angel so uh, Uriel is very much for healing and helping with emotional issues and and uh connecting so 
um, you know, different purposes, but I'm sure you can see how they, they work very well together um, because there's a lot of, uh, even in terms of the world, a lot of the problems that we're having in the environment have to do with some kind of emotional um, block that needs to be healed within ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask Bill now to quickly share his story just before we move on to the subject of ghosts, and the which is obviously the subject of your latest book. So, Bill, do you want to share your story with us about your experience in the hospital and the presence of an angel? Oh, yes. Uh, thank you, Jan. I'll, I'll happily do that. Um, I was learning about manifestation firsthand. The divine was providing me manifestation. I had worked on a consulting project with a huge pharmaceutical company and in, in probably one of the biggest in Europe there in England. And they were talking about having five casualties because of misfilled prescriptions. And one of the directors made a comment that that was just collateral damage at doing business. And when that comment was made, I tore up my contract and walked out of that, and I said, I don't do business with people like you. Now, uh, and, of course, that is a lot of the dark agenda of the pharmaceutical industry, but we're not going to go there. What happened, though, was I, I got a firsthand lesson in manifestation. I uh, walked to the train to go to London meetings and whatnot for probably just under six months, and every day walking, I would think about that incident. And I kept thinking about it over and over and over again. And I kept telling the divine unknowingly that if this was what the world was coming to, I didn't want to be in it. And the divine delivered beautifully. I was down in Bristol. Oh, wow. A, this, Careful <laughs> what you wish for. <laughs> Careful yeah. what you wish for. <laughs> I, was down in, I was down in Bristol, England, and I was visiting my spiritual daughter, that kind of an adopted daughter from Russia that I had... Uh, helped with some business stuff, and bang, I went down, as it were, and ended up in an ambulance to the hospital with acute pancreatitis, and I was literally out of it for about two days. But I kept hearing, vaguely remembering them, constantly saying, come on, stay with us, stay with us. You know, you've only got a 50-50 shot. You've got to stay with us, you know. And I got all this. Anyway, going on to the what happened was once things got better, I was there for 15 days. Once things got better, about two-thirds of the way through, as I was telling you yesterday, Laura, <clears throat> 4 o'clock in the morning, an angel came to my bedside. Now, this wasn't an angel like you see um, a premonition or what have you. This was actually a nurse walked to my bedside. And she was a very attractive young black lady, probably 40 years old. And I remember all the details. She wasn't in a nurse's uniform, but she had a, a transfusion bag. And she hooked it on the side of my bed and hooked me up for an IV and said, you need this. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, no problem. And she said, you need this. And she left. <laughs> and when I woke up the next morning, um, after she had hooked all that up, the head nurse, Helen, who I've gotten to know pretty well by then, came by my bedside and said, how are you this morning, Bill? And she said, what is this? And because the IV bag wasn't hanging on the tree, she said, this isn't supposed to be on the side of the bed. She took it off, looked at it, and said, it doesn't have any label on it. What, what is this? Where did this come from? And I explained to her what happened. I said, well, this woman came mm -hmm. to me, woke me up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I sat up and chatted with her briefly. And she was hooking all that stuff up, and I, you know, got it all hooked up, and she hung it there and left. 
And she said, well, we don't even know what this is. By then, the bag was empty and what have you, it had done. So anyway, she asked me to describe this person. And then she came back with the doctor, and he asked me to describe this person. Long story short, um, what happened in the end is they came back to me and said, there is absolutely no one we can find that's associated any way with this hospital, and we have no idea what they gave you. But um, all we can do is just say, we don't know what to put on your charts. <laughs> and I knew then, I mean, I could just feel it. I was like, wow, I had an angel come by that knew what I needed to get the rest of the way on that journey. <laughs> I believe that to bomb my heart now. So that's my story. I believe Back that. And, and uh, for everybody to, yeah, I just want everyone to know that angels can manifest physical, you know, matter. So they can, they can literally kind of work the energy stream and do things for in cases exactly the kind of situation that you talked about, Bill. <laughs> yeah, and we're seeing more and more um, evidence of this. I know there have been a number of YouTube videos showing, you know, angels coming along and, and not the, the conventional view of angels, you know, in white with wings, but in human form, actually yeah. saving people from traffic accidents and all sorts of things. So mm-hmm. um, it's just so wonderful in my view to see more and more of the metaphysical coming into people's awareness so they can actually tune in and, and connect with that power. Bill has now put his phone on mute after having it in his pocket, rustling away there. So <laughs> I have to keep him in line, you know. <laughs> so anyway, Laura, I'd like to move on to um, a little bit of time on the, the latest book that you have out, The Ghost Whisperer, uh, before we have a little bit of insight into the book that you're working on now. So... Um, I was really fascinated by the ghost whisperer because there's a lot of people in the metaphysical community that are very much focused on, you know, the the light side, the angels, and, um, you know, all the positive things. So what I found really interesting was the way that you approach the, the presence of ghosts and actually help them to transition to the other side. So you seem to have a really interesting way of approaching that. Would you like to share that with our listeners? Sure. Well, I my perspective on ghosts is that a, a ghost is simply, you know, a person whose body has died and their soul has remained, uh, you know, here in the earth plane versus continuing to, to the other side, to heaven, to the afterlife. And uh, usually when that happens, that means that that particular soul, that person is um, trapped in fear, anger, not letting go. Um, You know, there are sort of friendly, happy ghosts, uh, but that's pretty rare. And most of the time, you know, those ghosts are not in a good place. And, And just because a person's body has died, their demons or dark entity attachments um, have left them alone. In fact, um, if they don't cross, they continue to feed on that person's energy and misery and sadness, et cetera, um, indefinitely until that being does cross. So where there are ghosts, there are often dark entities. And on a bigger level, 
um, you know, I think people can recognize it's it's not only important to bring in the the light energy, um, but it's also important to take out the the dark stuff too in order to truly shift. So, for example, let's say you brought in a house uh, um, a housekeeper. Um, you know, and she did some some cleaning, and maybe you burned some incense and brought in some fresh flowers. But if you didn't like take out the trash, obviously the house is not going to feel very good. Like it's still going to draw flies. <laughs> it's not going to be nice smelling, etc. And I think on a spiritual and energetic level, that's what we have in a lot of places. We have this old kind of stagnant energy that is continuing, and until that gets cleared. Um, you know, the home or the, the individual or the planet cannot really shift and be in the positive, bright energy space that it needs to go. So there are a lot of people that have incarnated in this life to specifically help with this gift in order to help sort of move along and process the energy on a global level. That's really interesting, actually, Laura, because you're absolutely right. We do tend to focus on the the, the light and the clearing and, and bringing the light in. And we kind of ignore potential presence of that dark energy. So it's allowed to linger, as you say, like the trash mm-hmm. with a bad smell. So that's an right. exercise that we need to focus on as well on a regular basis. Yeah, I think it, it goes hand in hand that, uh, of course, call in the light, you know, do those things. But um, unless you clear out the stuff that's bogging everything down, that's creating the stagnant energy, then you're not going to get that flow fully. Um, and I think it's it has to do also with all of us coming into awareness of, you know, the beings that are around us and, you know, going moving from this just purely logical um, approach and, and material view of the world to understanding, wow, there's a lot more happening here um, spiritually, energetically, and emotionally and acknowledging it. So, for example, a lot of places that have a lot of ghosts and entities um, are also physically run down. So, you know, I'll go to a place, a neighborhood, and they'll send me there to to, to clean it up. And, um, you know, maybe a year later after I moved to a place, suddenly the the neighborhood is physically transformed. Like in my um, street in Lafayette, Colorado, which is my hometown, when I moved back from China and I lived there, and I I did an enormous amount of energy cleanup because there were ghosts that had been there for, you know, decades or in some cases even 100 years from the late 1800s. And I, I literally helped hundreds of ghosts cross. And, of course, all of their attachments were then cleared as well. And within a year, the entire block was, like, literally transformed. Like houses that hadn't been... Um, sold or maintained for decades were sold and then completely renovated. I mean, it was like if you took a before and after picture, it was completely shocking how different it was in just a year. Um, So, you know, I think we can recognize through things like that that there is a connection between the energetic and the physical. And if we want to even the physical do better, we have to focus and work on the energy too. So you were saying about clearing the energy. How do you go about that? Well, um, I work a lot with the angels, so whether or not you have the psychic gifts that I do, just know that everybody can call on the angels. And Michael, the one angel name that I asked everyone to to know, um, is a great angel for just that. So just like he can clear energy cords and attachments, et cetera, from ourselves, he can also help us with doing that in, in places or spaces. So um, one thing I recommend is, is asking the angels, especially Archangel Michael, to clear places and 
public spaces are a great way to do that. Let's say you're in the street or in a public park or whatever, and it feels heavy, um, asking the angels to clear that is wonderful. The reason I say public spaces is if, if someone's in a house, um, and let's say the energy is really bad, and you go and start trying to mess with it, they may not like that because it's their space. Imagine um, if someone is has a hoarder. Um, you know, if, if you go in and you start to move their piles and throw things away, they're going to get really mad at you and they might even like attack you or whatever. So the, I, I recommend not um, encouraging people to mess with other people's sort of private space, but certainly the sort of collective areas, public areas um, is something we all can work on. Right. And clearing their own space, presumably. And of course, your own space, of course. Yeah, it's interesting you raise that because um, a, a very close friend of ours, in fact, um, somebody who actually supported us through creating and actually running the festival, she was telling us about the area that she used to live in and how the there was a lot... She felt that, that there was bad energy there and that was reflected in the experiences of the people around, you know, divorce, there were deaths and um, a lot of negative experiences. So it hadn't really occurred to me that that was the presence of ghost dark energy that was creating that. And, uh, you know, when I say it didn't occur to me, it did occur to me actually. What, What I hadn't really thought about was then the possibility of clearing that rather than just recognizing it as a, a as a fait accompli that you can't do anything about right i mean and, and it, it is important to understand you know sort of what you can take on um so as i've gotten more practiced and stronger with my gifts i can now take on and work on things that i i couldn't have done before so now I, you know, will clear much larger spaces because um, I know it might sound strange, but there are like sort of entities that are even planetary scale or even continental wide. And so when I travel to a place, sometimes I'm like, wow, what is this huge thing? And then I'll I'll work on clearing it. So, for example, when I was in London, I was hosting a, a ghost tour and they came across and a huge entity. I mean, it literally it blanketed, you know, basically the entire island um, and I worked with the angels to clear it and if you think about uh, the amount of pain and suffering that's happened on that continent and especially in London where a lot of it was targeted and focused um, it kind of makes sense so there are varying scales of these and and take on whatever you can don't um, go into a place where there's been maybe uh, you know satanic rites and like horrible murders if you're brand new with this like focus on little things um, that are you know more in your comfort level and ability that's a really interesting point about London obviously I'm from England <laughs> as, you, as right. you know and how this is may have guessed and yeah. how um, you know, when I've gone back to England from from the US, it's a very different feeling. Just that the yeah. atmosphere of the place is very different. So it's interesting you were saying about you know a, a countrywide entity being there. So um, I'll be interesting to <laughs> maybe next time I go see if I feel a different energy. Um, yeah, yeah, do let me know. I'm really curious mm. because uh, this this thing was huge, and um, I, I was. It's funny because when I it took me a while to figure this out when I first got there, and I was like, wow, I'm so 
it, it was so heavy and and you know it was a struggle for me and it took me a couple of days to identify because um, sometimes it's a sense of scale like I'm used to looking at something that's attached to someone but I hadn't really thought to like oh I need to look at like sort of con you know this whole island wide landmass <laughs> scale yet <laughs> yeah. I think Bill wants to ask you something. Yeah, I was sure. just I I really appreciate that information, Laura, because uh one of the things that I uh used to call the ranch that we were on for three years was the ranch of death. And the mm-hmm. reason that I thought that the ranch of death was uh was that because there was so much death there of animals and uh, people, you know, whatever. And there was a really old graveyard right by the owner's house that uh, dated back to before Texas was even a state. It was like the early 1800s. And um, there were several graves there, maybe 10 or 12 or 13 graves there. But the um, I used to refer to it as a ranch of death. And because of the fact that the owner's husband, as Jan was describing earlier, was truly, and this is not judgment, this is just look it up on the dictionary, truly psychopathic and sociopathic in his behaviors, um, I just attributed it to bad energy coming from him, but it was ranch-wide. So either whatever possessed him uh, affected the whole area or it was something in that graveyard or something else. But the one thing I didn't know until you just said it was Jan was always saying, send love, send love. And we did. We just built a barrier wall of love around our house and, and, and around the horses and what have you. And we just sent love to the ownership um, in response to the negative things that were just constantly coming at everyone there. But I never in my life realized that you could just actually call on those angels and say, let's clear this. And I think that's a step far beyond sending love. Absolutely. I mean, because, yeah, in terms of, what is going to be effective there. I mean, gosh, there's certain things that no amount of sending love. I mean, Ebola is just consuming, like sending love to Ebola is not, not going to do anything. You just need to clear it out and protect yourself from it. Um, and it's the same thing on an energetic and spiritual level. And, and then again, keep in mind, there's, there's an understanding of what we can do. So in this case, the, the ranch owner that you describe, um, and there's a little bit of a chicken or the egg scenario here because it sounds like he was in a lot of darkness and had a lot of a dark attachment. So either, you know, he brought that energy to the, to the location or that location kind of attracted him because there was a, an energetic match. Um, and when you're on a, on another's property that's in that place, there are limitations in terms of what you can do uh, because that's how they want it. And then they'll continue to, like, you can clear and they'll continue to bring in that kind of energy. So, for example, I would never, I've actually had clients contact me that have major, major attachments. And when I tune in, I get, oh, this this person, on one level, they consciously think they want it cleared, but they've actually made a deal with this dark entity or demon. And if I try to clear it, it's, it's no going to be no help to them until they, they shift their perspective. So in some cases, it's important to clear. And in some cases, like in this case, it was important for you guys to just leave. Yes, absolutely. And um, interesting what you were saying about that, that on a level there is a like a contract. In that situation, do you actually talk to the client about contract and what they can do to actually help themselves in that situation. It depends. 
Yeah, I use my intuition and, and guidance from the angels every time. Um, in some cases, I get that it won't be helpful for them to talk about it because they're not really ready to face that or they wouldn't acknowledge it. Um, and so then I'll just say, look, I'm getting we're not a fit or something like that. Um, or in some cases, I've had this with actual clients where we're already in the session and I get that they have this attachment and I tell them, like, you know, this is the situation you have this. On some level, this is working for you. You don't really want to let it go until you're ready to let it go this is going to be an issue. And then at least they have an understanding of, of how and why it's happening. Mm, that's interesting. And, you know, some of the things, this goes back to this conversation about uh, the contracts. And is it, in your view, do, do people come along to actually perform a negative role in people's lives to actually act as a catalyst for them to to experience that spiritual growth or give them the environment in which they come to a recognition of some of the issues that they have to deal with. Because that's how I interpreted some of the experiences we had at the ranch was that the owner was actually acting as a catalyst for us to release some of our um, egoic behaviors and attachments that otherwise would not have been triggered and we wouldn't necessarily have been aware of them. Is that something that you um, believe in? Absolutely. I mean, I think whatever it is that we're experiencing, there is something for us to gain and learn from it. And you can get upset with the sort of quote-unquote dark forces, but it, it, I mean, they are what they are and we're all just here to learn how to shift and, and, and go through life and, and experience. So um, same thing with my ex-husband and that relationship. I mean, yes, in some ways it brought a lot of darkness for my life, but it also was an incredible catalyst. So I actually think, you know, thank the world for that experience because it was clearly something that I needed um, in order to shift. Uh, and, and I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't, um, you know, learn that lesson that I clearly needed to learn. So I think so much of this is about perspective. And, yes, while I'm talking about clearing dark energies and dark forces um, so that we can be more in the light, it's always important, just like I talked about our body telling us things when things are, when we're unhealthy, when there are things that are off. Okay, well, what is this darkness trying to tell me? What is there for me to learn out of this? There's always something. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. And I think, you know, the more you come to awaken to this, the more you're able to see the lessons in things rather than just seeing the negative side of it. So anyway, anyway, um, I'd like to move on to just finding out a bit more about the latest book that you're working on called Angels and Manifesting. And obviously manifestation is a big part of the work that we do in in teaching our workshops. I'm I'm really interested to hear about your perspective on this and the relationship with angels, between angels and manifesting. So would you like to share that with us, Laura? Yeah, well, I uh, started writing this book uh, because through my learning, I experienced some incredible... um, things that I was able to manifest and and wanted to share with people what's possible. And I know there's some great manifesting books out there, and I've read a lot of them in my research for this book, Um, but I really feel like bringing the angels in is a key piece to helping create shift faster. So um, when we're trying to manifest something, uh, it has to do with our will and intention and then the energy that we're in. Um, And so when we have 
blocks in our energy field or beliefs that are counter to what we're trying to manifest, that can suppress it. And just like we can ask the angels to help us for something that's um, maybe not in the pattern that we're actually in, that can happen on, on this level with manifesting as well. So let's say we're trying to manifest abundance, but we have, you know, a belief that we got when we were a child in this society that we can't have very much that you know we only need to be in struggle or only we'll have what we need or maybe not even that then those two uh sort of beliefs and desires will sort of fight against each other and then what we'll get are mixed results um so obviously on a deeper level we need to work a time-consuming process and what we can do is we can work with angels and be specific with them about what it is we're trying to bring in and release, and they can help us do that a lot more quickly than than we would on our own. So for me, that's been the key piece of not just setting intentions, like the secret is lovely and there's some some great ideas in there, but having the angelic support in terms of the process can help us make shifts much, much more quickly and easily. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, Laura, and yeah, you know, one of what a large part of what we're teaching in our manifestation classes is how much deeper this goes than just setting positive intentions and visualizing. You know, what I what I say to people is the things that you're struggling to manifest are actually good indicators of, of areas where you're out of alignment. So, in one respect by feeling that you're not getting the things you want. It's not something to get frustrated about. It's something to say, all right, well, I obviously need to do some clearing in these areas. Otherwise, they'd be manifesting a lot more easily. So we can take those messages. (laughs) But um, actually bringing in the angels as part of the process is, you know, an aspect. I, I, I was actually starting to do that myself because, you know, we all have areas to clear otherwise we wouldn't be here we'd, have, we'd already be up on that cloud you know with the angels right right so so recognizing that you know it's it's not that you're doing something wrong or not that you're not good enough if if areas aren't manifesting it's actually what you're here to clear in any way would you agree with that yeah i i completely agree and i talk quite a bit in the book also about um if we're uh if something that we've wanted for a long time and we and we can't bring it in like why is that i go into some uh, basically how you determine okay is it that i have a belief system that is blocking it um is it that two of my desires are maybe fighting with each other maybe on one level i I, you know i want this like high level executive job but i want to like be on the beach all day at the same time and so you know maybe in some ways those two are fighting um or is it that on a deeper level, I don't even truly desire that? And I think that's a huge one in our society where we are trying to force ourselves to have something that society says is what's like successful or is the thing to do. But if on a deeper soul level, we don't really want that or it's against our soul mission, then absolutely we're going to block it. So there's a a lot of, um, I think, deep... uh, work that needs to be done in terms of manifesting and it's a process so i don't think we're ever like oh i manifested that and then i'm done so if you manifest something and then you move on to okay what's the next thing or if you're trying to manifest something and it's not coming in then you have to figure out why and and do some work and and the angels can help you with sending you signs as well as helping to shift those blocks that that may be blocking whatever it is that you're trying to bring in 
Yeah, perfect. And, you know, there is a lot of mixed messaging out there. I like what you're saying about it. are you actually trying to manifest things that society is saying represent success? And it's it's quite a job to distinguish between your true desires and the conditioning that we've been yes. Subjected to is probably the right word from from day one. The other thing is, you know, in the in the spiritual world, the spiritual in terms of spirituality, you know, there is a lot of conflicting information out there. You know, on the one hand, you're seeing messages that say, um, you know, you're meant to live an abundant life, and spirit is the source of all your abundance, and so on. And there's nothing wrong with living. Um, living luxuriously and sumptuously, not out of um, a, a, a greed mentality, but just out of really enjoying the experience of being on this planet and experiencing the physical life. And then on the other hand, you get messages that come, even come from um, the Chinese philosophies. I'm... I'm I'm a user of the I Ching and the, uh, familiar with the Tao Te Ching and so on. And that philosophy is saying you shouldn't you, to really move into that spiritual level in connection with source, the divine, whatever. You should let go of all desires. So how do we reconcile these different messages that say, on the one hand, it's it's absolutely right to enjoy this physical experience to the full and that means having physical abundance and on the other well to be truly spiritual you should let go of all those desires quite quite confusing for people i i do i mean i think it is confusing and in a way i think they're both true um so i think absolutely we can all be in abundance and i do believe that there is enough for all of us and that we can have a wonderful wonderful life and the more that we have the more that we can give but if we have negative and unhealthy um attachments or beliefs about um you know money um belongings etc then that will block us spiritually I had to let go of my feeling of need and security with money in order to start manifesting it. Um, And from a manifesting perspective, this makes sense. When we have uh, a feeling, we, we manifest that feeling, not what we desire. Desire is actually, I believe, um, the opposite of manifesting. Desire means that you feel you don't have it. So if I feel I need money uh, or security, then I will attract that need and not what I'm actually wanting or desiring. So um, they're both true in different ways and perhaps in different sort of levels of lessons or experience. So um, for myself, I had to kind of walk through the fire. One of the ways we clear our fears is by facing them. So I had to go through some very tough financial challenges during um, the recession, just right after a divorce. You know, I literally couldn't get work. Um, and that's when I started my work in this field. And, and, in, and in the end, it was actually what was the best thing for me. It was literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And keep in mind, I have like faced major demons that have tried to get in my body and just do crazy things and probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was was face some of those financial fears and I think we're going through that as a society right now because we have some very very unhealthy societal 
uh, beliefs and relationships with money. And those need to be taken down in order for us to be able to move forward in a healthy, um, you know, and full spiritual development. Yes, I agree, Laura. And I think a lot of the purpose behind some of the financial collapse is literally, as you say, to get people to face up to those fears and shift their relationship with money. And we've been through similar things, you know. We've we've been faced literally with nothing in the bank, nothing in the fridge, and, you know, definitely a gap between where we were and where the the money was coming in. And that was when I actually manifested some money literally out of thin air, which was a really interesting experience. And it was an absolute shift for me in terms of my realization that we actually are taken care of and not to feel insecure and fearful around having the things that we need. So that's uh, part of the lessons we learned from those from those challenges. So yeah, and not to get. I just want to say real quickly, just not to get caught up in material illusions. So just because you don't have the the way that society says you should get things taken care of, doesn't mean you don't have spiritual resources to take care of yourself in lots of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So, Laura, um, we're coming to the end of the show. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you. You shared some fantastic information with um, with me and Bill and, of course, our listeners today. So I really want to thank you for that. And before we finish, if you'd like to just share again your website details, contact details, and so on, and where I can actually find your books um, just before we sure. finish. Thank you. Yeah, so my website is healingpowers.net. My email is laura at healingpowers.net, and that's spelled L-A-U-R-A. Um, and then you can also call me at 310-598-7871. And, yeah, I have lots of wonderful information on my website. I have several events coming up. I'm doing a Hollywood ghost tour um, in August, and I'm actually going to be doing a, a tour group in Paris at the catacombs and the sort of the dark side or under, underground of Paris. Um, and then if you want more information on my books, um, it's linked on my website, so you can certainly just go there. And you can also find my author page on Amazon by simply Googling Laura Powers um, and Angels, for example, on Amazon. And it will pop right up. And um, I have a newsletter you can subscribe for free and get specials and you know health information that I send out about once a month. Okay, Laura. Well, thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. And we wish you all the best of luck with and and fun with the uh, trips that you're going to be doing to some really exciting places. And hope to cross paths physically in the not too distant future. I I really hope so too. And thank you so much, and the angels. Thank you for tell and just. Thank you, Laura. Uh, I think we just lost you. Your uh, cell phone or something might have cut out, but uh, we just lost you um, in that tail end. So thank you very much, and um, we do appreciate you coming on the show. So now we're going to wind up with Justin Hayward and the Moody Blues. Um, Okay, Uh, we've got 30 seconds. Jan's got to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to say before we finish that um, you can find us at acemarlingworld.org 
And if you want to know more about the Roadshow and get some really great information on manifestation and empowerment, uh, sign up for our newsletter there. And we hope to see you sometime on the trip as we go around the USA. And um, again, follow the show so you'll get notified of the wonderful guests that we've got coming up. And on that note, I'll hand you back to Bill to wind up the show. So thanks for being with us, whether it's live or on archive. We really appreciate your support. Okay. Thanks, Jan. And now, like I was saying, we're going with Justin Haywood and the Moody Blues and Never Blame the Rainbows for the Rain. 